What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. Wacky SI drinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it is going very well. Oh, yeah. First and foremost, as I'm sure people are interested in, I found my water shutoff valve. Oh, Jesus, from last week. <laughs> so that's Where the, was it? It was under the house. Oh. Yeah. So how'd you get under there? Uh, crawl space. Fine. So, the water meter's buried, I'm pretty sure, but... It's there. That's the important part. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that, and also, Graham, for the first time in uh, our relationship anyways... I think we could say an Atlanta team's a champion. Atlanta team is a champion. Atlanta United wins the MLS Cup in uh, quite dominated fashion. It was like never even a game. I know you didn't see any of it because you're not a real fan, but... Uh, <laughs> Got to immediately go there. Yeah, the uh, they just slaughtered the Timbers. I mean, it, it didn't feel like it was only 2 to nothing. It felt like it was like 4, 4 or 5 to nothing. Just Timbers had nothing going on. It was Atlanta United assault all night. So, in the spirit of uh, embracing the Atlanta United yes. and appreciating what we do have, right? Instead of uh, we don't solely bitching about the shitty Falcons team, sure. Brought a bottle of champagne. Oh, that's in, nice. In honor of uh, what's tonight's uh, what's Mrs. tonight's episode brought to us by? In honor of Mrs. Pounder. Oh, Miss Cheryl Pounder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she she motivated me and. Um, <laughs> I went to the wow. Empire Liquor Store. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is a great liquor store off uh, Flat Shoals in Boulder Crest. And uh, got us. Oh, a- Tots. Yeah, I remember the name. Yeah. yeah. From the episode. Yeah. This is great. From the episode. Didn't she oh, did this? she mention Tots? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. I don't know. I have to go back and oh, listen so, to it. Yeah, I mean, it was like a $8.99 bottle, which is, I mean, that's that's decent for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> shitty to drink, but it's no, a decent I'm, price range. No, it's mid range. It's mid range. Wow. Yeah, I, I could have gotten Andre. Andre. Yeah, that's like the $4 champagne. I don't know nothing about champagne or sparkling white wine. Uh, well, this is, this is a nice... This is technically sparkling white wine, right? It's not made in, in France. Um, well, this is called champagne, Graham. It might actually be champagne. Uh, it's not made in France. It is a sparkling white wine, even though it may be referred to as champagne. Tot Champagne Cellars, Modesto, California. Okay, maybe not. But it, they call well. It's technically called, it says champagne on the bottle. We'll, we'll treat it as champagne. Yeah, I mean, sparkling wine is essentially the same thing. You know, it, it, it produced it, somewhere else, right? It is. It, it's kind of like you know, a perfect representation of Atlanta United. It's like a, it's a minor league professional team winning a championship. Oh, whereas and now we're having the. I'm minor not taking league. that stance. Oh, you're not taking that stance anymore. No. Oh, you, you were all about that. Like, two weeks. what happened? I've uh, I've evolved, Graham. You've evolved as a person. Yeah. A therapy session went a long way for you, it sounds like. Yeah, I've, I've seen all... Well, I went to the victory parade, as you know. Yes. And and you're like, I love you guys. I've loved you ever since you came. No, I didn't I didn't do that at all. I kind of awkwardly stood there the whole time. Just interesting. I mean, I was like by myself right. like on a Monday morning. It was very strange that they did it Monday morning. Like, I feel like if they had like done it... Why didn't they wait for the weekend? That's my question. Or, like, well, people do it during the week all the... I mean, all the time. Well, for... I mean, this is something we don't know about, obviously. Right, we don't know anything about, you know, championships or parades. Sorry, Jeff. But to to me, like, I mean, a a Monday... No one's... I mean, some people did definitely take off work. Oh, sure. Um, But if they had let it build up a little more... Or if they had planned it out. I guess giving people a heads up. Because I didn't hear about it until... Oh, it's going to be Monday. It's like, all right. Hear about the next day. I guess yeah. there's enough, some people enough time to... Get but, like, work. for me, like, I mean, I, I just, like, walked down there from work, since I work right where it was going, and I'm just, like, 
awkwardly standing there the whole time. But I'm watching people who are super stoked and have obviously been there all year. And right, like, and really give a damn. It's like, there's no, I mean, it's good for Atlanta. You know, it makes us look good. So. Yeah, for sure. And So what the hell's the matter with it? Exactly. Why, why we got to be Why honest. we have to condemn it. So let's, uh, let's, let's toast to, let's uh, toast to the champions. Atlanta and also to Arthur Blank for doing so much for the city, for the fan base, and providing Atlanta its first champion in yep. 23 years. Yep. Cheers. To Arthur. Yeah, it was cool seeing. You could tell, like, because there's like no security there, which is pretty cool. Which is yeah. kind of just like um, the roots of Atlanta United, just all about the fans. Sure. So like, people at first were like standing on the sidewalk, but then everyone just started like following the bus, and the streets completely filled with the fans following them, nice. and they're tossing jerseys up to Joseph and Almirone, and they're signing them and tossing them back down in the That's crowd, cool. and Arthur's just chilling. In this car, yeah, but he was—he was very pleased. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. throwing out little soccer balls and stuff. So nice. It was cool to see. Yeah. The. Uh... But yeah, going back to the actual game real quick. Watch the whole thing. And it was—it was like United kept the pressure on Portland Timbers the whole night. It was very rare that the Timbers even had a shot at, at Atlanta United's goal. I mean, there was a lot of really close um, shots that Atlanta United had, pretty much for like. Until they scored, it was it was like every two or three minutes they get a shot at the goal, and I was like, it's only a matter of time at this point. It's clear that this, you know, supposedly vaunted Timbers defense isn't going to be enough, and they're not aggressive enough to score on us, or our defense is just playing really well, or both. And uh, yeah, and then Joseph Martinez broke through for a goal, and then he assisted on the latter goal, and. Thoroughly, I mean, it was it was like the whole time you were watching it, you, there was just no doubt in my mind that they were gonna they were gonna win. The only time I got a little scared is when I think it was in the second half, and the Timbers had a, a pretty open shot at the goal, and they had a header that Guzan saved. That was an incredible play by him. And uh, other than that, though, it was just like it was kind of it wasn't boring because it was exciting that you know United were probably gonna win, but it was so different. I guess then, you know, for example, watching the Super Bowl, even though we were up, you know, 28 to 3, I was like, oh God, oh God, right. you're still so scared the whole time just because of the history of, of, of the horror. But with Atlanta United, it's just this total confidence factor. You, you thought this the whole time. It was like, it's only, it's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, by, by the time I met up with you at the bar, I could tell that you weren't exactly stressed out about it. Mm-mm. As uh, the clock was ticking down, Graham was in the middle of telling a story about Pedro Dromnajak, who was a... Oh, yeah, Pedro Dromnajak, <laughs> who was a former Haw- Atlanta Hawks legend. From, like, 2004, just a complete unknown that only... I mean, you'd have to cut, cut pretty deep. To yeah, know if Pedro you know who Pedro Dromnajak is, you're a true Atlanta sports fan. Yeah. But Graham's, like, in the middle of a story of that as Atlanta's about to win his championship. Yeah, it's like an 84th minute. I was like, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. I mean, I was still paying attention, but I was like, there's literally no hope for the Timbers, which but is great. I actually didn't mind. So I was, I had gotten tickets to uh, Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. They do a live, a lot of live shows, and we would gotten tickets, like, months ago for it. And it just so happened to be the same day as this game. Um so I was, I was. That's why we're a good team, Graham. You were, uh, you were watching the game, making sure you could get plenty of content, sure. and I was learning about what a professional podcast looks like. Oh, that's and, good, yeah. And, and how right. they do things. Fantastic. And uh, well, there's, I, there's I a big difference. I've run out of content, pretty much, to talk about with you. When United, do you have anything to share from uh, a real professional podcast? Um, not, not that I want to get into here. That's fair. But I had a little more on the United. I did kind of enjoy 
so we were they they mentioned the fact that the soccer game was on and mm-hmm. made a quick crack at Atlanta sports and how you don't really need to watch it anyways because you know it's going to happen. Ah, uh, well done. Which well done. They were wrong about. Right. Um, but historically, they're right. Right. But then, like, I was getting updates from Graham. Nice little text messages keeping me in the loop. Who's on with great shape? I was happy. That, I was happy you kept, you had the dedication to keep texting me despite no response. Well, I figured you were watching the show and you just check sporadically. You know, you know, be rude during the show to be pulling out your phone and texting back. Exactly. Um, but we we kind of we rushed out of there with. Uh, by the time it ended, I think there was maybe like thirty minutes left in the game or so, and it was pretty chaotic with everyone trying to get ubers and lifts and all that but we, sure. we ended up in the car with um can't remember the gentleman's name but his english was not there at all yeah and uh veronica my wife is puerto rican and she's fluent in spanish and she started obloing with him uh-huh. in spanish yeah. And uh, I was like at the back, could you please put on the Atlanta United? And then she translated in Spanish. And uh, he was just like, she was saying that he was like almost getting emotional about the United and how wow. excited he was. Wow. Uh, I mean, he was just stoked to be driving around listening to him. And that's awesome. he was just saying how great it is for the city. And I was sure. like, oh, that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. I, that, that, that also made me uh, change my tune a little bit. Right. How, uh, yeah, and we were getting updates too from user Alexa who we had on a couple weeks ago is big United fan she was at the game and uh, sent us some videos that were awesome of just people going ape shit during the game after goals uh, the crowd was as they've been for the entire season uh, just totally locked in and supporting the team all the way so that that was a I think you know and the the, the players have, have said it too how important that fan base has been in terms of their success and giving them the confidence to go out and just kick ass because you got 70,000 strong screaming their asses off for you for an hour and a half. So, um, you know, it's definitely the best ticket in Atlanta. For sure. Uh, Big, big kudos to, you know, the true blue Atlanta United fans and United themselves. I mean, uh, they did something that we're just not accustomed to seeing. It was so surreal watching uh, the trophy presentation after the game, like watching Arthur Blank hoist a trophy and then watching people getting interviewed and just like having that big stage out there, and it's like these are Atlanta players talking about winning a championship, and there's an Atlanta owner basking in the glory of a championship. It felt just very strange to be watching that after the game. It was it was like I was in the twilight zone. It was it was pretty cool to see um, during the parade as well. I saw Alec Can, mm. who we've mentioned on the podcast before, went to high school with him. Um, Backup goaltender. Yeah, the, our backup, the backup to Guzan. Uh, good thing. I mean, I had Spanish class with him. Good thing he took that Spanish, playing in the MLS now. Um, but I saw him like at the when the players' bus came through. Mm-hmm. I saw him up there, and like where I was, it was like the beginning of the parade. So there weren't that many people there, and like we made eye contact. And I was just thinking, man, this guy just won an MLS championship. Yeah, and he was and, probably thinking, man. That guy looks kind of familiar, but I don't remember who he nah, is. No, he, 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 he like made the, uh, the what have you of acknowledging. The recognition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is great. Good for Lakeside High. Yeah, yeah. Local guy getting a chip. But yeah, I, I just kept replaying that in my head, just like watching Arthur Blank lift the trophy and all this red confetti going on everywhere, and then the players lifting the trophy and red confetti going everywhere. And it was, it was really nice. It was really nice. I was happy for them. But at the same time, I couldn't, I couldn't fully enjoy it. Just because I'm not, I don't have as much skin in the game emotionally, 
financially as I do with the other teams. Um, and by financially, I mean like buying merch, buying tickets for years and years and years and years. It's uh, I don't feel like if the other three teams would have won a championship, I would be on cloud nine right now. Now I'm just kind of like, yeah, that was nice, good for them. I'm happy for Atlanta. Obviously, obviously Arthur Blank, but it's just you know, life goes on now for me right now. Whereas if any of the other three teams had won, I'd be like talking about this for the rest of my life every day. I'd be saying, hey, do you remember where you were when? somehow Trey Young led us to the NBA championship or Freddie Freeman had walked off Jack or whatever. You know what I mean? Or Devontae Freeman busted that 95-yard run to help us win the Super Bowl. You know, this I'm just going to be like, yeah, United won. It was good. And I, and I kind of feel bad about that. Well, That's how I feel. It, it's, it's the beginning. Like, this is how you become a fan. You've been following them. I feel like we've roll reversed now. Yeah, uh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> you've been following them and you, your passion will grow. Farther it goes on, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just taking the Atlanta, the Atlanta aspect of this is good for the city. It is, yeah. It, not, it makes I, us look really good. I agree. I agree. And nationally, people can't shit on us as much as, as they, much as they normally do. do. Right. And it was funny too, though. We got uh, when we were leaving the bar after we had watched the championship celebration and hung out there for a couple hours. Uh, we got a, a Lyft driver, and this this guy who was like, "Hi, how you doing?" You know, like good. And he's like, "Well." You coming from the game or anything? And Alexa said, oh, yeah, I was at the game. And he's like, oh, good. You know, I'm, I'm glad they won. And I was like, you know, Jorge, you sound like you uh, may have some umbrage with what's going on here. Is there something you want to get off your chest or anything? And he just went into this rant, Atlanta native, about how this doesn't lift, you know, the supposed Atlanta sports curse, that this doesn't mean anything. And... And uh, not that it doesn't mean anything, but it's like, it's good, you know, pretty much what we've been saying. It's good for the city. It's fine. He's happy for Arthur Blank, but it's like, this doesn't do anything for me. And I can't, I, I, I really just can't uh, accept this as an Atlanta championship. My other three teams have struggled so much and are actually in like, are in a minor league soccer team is what he said. And I was like, Jesus, that's pretty uh, rough. But he was just going on and on and on about that for the whole, it only took about six minutes to get home. But Right. It was uh, it was quite interesting to hear someone have you know opinions that we've shared before. That guy was really feeling it, and I could tell the championship was hurting him because he was thinking about the other teams. Not that he wished ill will against right. Man United, but he didn't put it in as much. You know, I think people didn't put it on the same level. I think it, it's kind of like a fifty fifty argument. I think. Yeah, I and, think people are either all about it or take that stance. Right, and I'm I'm in the middle. I'm I'm more neutral. You can tell he had you know at this point neutral in terms of like I acknowledge that I don't think it's on the same level but I'm not gonna make as huge of a deal of it and I acknowledge that doesn't do as much for me as a fan but this guy was just angry he was angry hater semi-hater he still had respect for it but you know I can tell you had respect for what it does for Atlanta but just in terms of what it means he was like just shitting on it way more than I think either one of us have ever shit on it when we've gone through our shitting on Atlanta United phase right (laughs) Uh, the jealousy, the envy, the, uh, you know, he, he had a ton of that. And I was like, damn, man. Uh, just a correction from our segment last week. Uh, Joseph Martinez will definitely be back. Yeah. This year. Uh, yeah. Almiron is most likely gone. Not 100%, though. Um, Garza was traded to yeah, Cincinnati. Greg Garza was already traded to Cincinnati. But apparently we save money or we get more money from it. So apparently it was a good... We got like two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, something. it was a good move for the team. So that's, you know. But yeah, off season starting already. Still right. celebrating. Yeah. 
Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Falcons or Braves? I've been more in a Braves, uh, Braves mood mindset this week. All right, that's fair. So we'll, we'll go Braves. I don't know if we have anything to say about the Hawks, but then Falcons, because they deserve to be last. Since they are last. Yes. Since they've been like the worst team in the last five weeks in the NFL. That sounds that sounds reasonable. Um, not not much to report on the Braves so far, other than there's been a lot of rumors. Um, Alex Anthopoulos is exercising a ton of patience, apparently, with the team. He's saying he doesn't expect to have a, a move for a reliever or starter by the end of the winter meetings. He says, of course, that could change. He did not explicitly uh, mention outfield, though, and there's been a lot of rumors linking us to Nick Castellanos of the Detroit Tigers, who has had a very respectful last couple of years. He's young, controllable. Defense is terrible, though. Defense isn't very good, but the, the bat has really come around. 500 slugging percentage last year, 23 bombs. Uh, good on, solid on base, 360, something like that. Um, linked to him. Been linked to Sonny Gray for some reason. Um, but let's let's talk about Castellanos for a little bit. You know anything much about him, or you just know sort of the peripherals? Uh, he was on my fantasy baseball team. Okay, so you know more about him probably than I do. Then yeah, please. No, I was a. Uh, I mean, he was just a consistent, like right around three hundred hitter with some power, uh, a yeah. little pop. Seem, I mean, those seem like the type of deals that you can get a really good player from that people don't necessarily know about, like mm-hmm. coming from Detroit. Yeah, um, but I. I, this defense thing is scaring me, and it isn't fitting with the rest of this team. Right, like, a team that has prided itself on defense and getting a lot better defensively. That's one of the reasons we made the postseason last year. He was year. rated as one of the worst defensive outfielders in the league. Right, so you have to be a little wary and about that. if you that. remember Matt Kemp out there and just how terrible that was for us, that, that I'm definitely shying away from that. Yeah, I, I looked at actually his defensive metrics and baseball reference today briefly, and I saw a lot of negatives next to the advanced uh, analytics. It's like every advanced defensive metric was like in the negative. So I was like, Ooh. he only made three errors, but it was like in terms of his the amount of range he can cover and just a lot of other things, it, was, it did not grade out well. So. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the outfield market's kind of – falling apart for us a little bit. Well, it's interesting. Andrew McCutcheon signed by Philly. For a lot of money. Three years, $50 million, which I think they're going to wind up regretting. A lot of people are upset that we didn't get McCutcheon, but it's kind of like he's not the MVP guy he was, you know, four or five years ago. He's clearly regressing. He's 34, um, not getting any younger. And I don't want to pay a guy like that 50 mil. No, that's crazy. So I, I'm totally fine with us not getting him. If that's what he was asking for, I heard we were talking to him. But it was that third year that the Phillies gave him that sort of sent him over the edge and said, yeah, let's rock with the Phillies. And I'm fine with not getting him. Um, Sounds like the Michael Brantley market still needs to come down. Yeah, and and the problem, though, with Michael Brantley, for those that don't know, is a very good outfielder with the Indians. He was really elite a couple years ago, but injuries have kind of slowed him down. But he had a bounce back year last year, had over 300, good power. He was sort of getting back into the groove. Uh, Still relatively young-ish. And uh, he would be a great you know, two, three-year option guy to pick up. But the problem is, is if, uh, and he put up a lot better numbers than McCutcheon last year. The problem is if you give McCutcheon three years, 50 million, Brantley's going to ask for more. And that's going to make him not necessarily unaffordable for the Braves, but it makes the Braves less likely to target him at this point. Yeah, Anthopoulos, he's a smart dude. He's not going to make a move just because other people are making moves. And keep in mind, we've already made 
our two biggest moves, really. Really, I would. I mean, Donaldson for sure. A big move, but Donaldson is definitely a huge move. Uh, I, I, it's, it's funny how Braves fans on Twitter have acted like so we haven't quickly. done anything. Yeah. When we just got you know the former AL MVP, who when healthy is an absolute monster. Yeah, and that that's a huge move. And um, also, just remember that Anthopoulos, like two days before he did that, he said he's happy with his infield. So just because he's saying right, we're set now, or nothing's going to yeah. happen, that take, something could happen while we're recording this. Take nothing at face value. Take nothing at face. You think he's really going to let that leak out in the press? Like, oh yeah, we've been talking to Josh Donaldson. Then you know what? Someone's going to do. Someone, some other GM is going to say, hey Josh, uh, you know, I hear you're talking to the Braves about coming to. You know, it's like that's well, it, a that, it, you don't want to show your hand it, as a GM. To it's the like with the Phillies who they've been out there. Oh, we're gonna. We're gonna just spend excessively, and like now, there people are expecting them to get Harper and Machado. Right. So now, if that doesn't happen, then it looks like a, it looks terrible right. on them. I think the thing you know, Anthopolis was saying is that they're looking for good value, you know, and maybe that comes off as cheap to some people, but we've seen what's happened when we've splurged on guys, and it's backfired. You give the Dan Uglas and BJ Uppins of the world five-year contracts, uh, and they underperform. And we don't want to be in that business, and that's the great thing. I, and that's the thing I love about the, the Donaldson deal, is that, yeah, it's twenty three million, but it's only for a year. And if he balls out and and helps us really, you know, win win more than we did last year, then you got Austin Riley waiting in the wings. It's a great move. And I'm not saying every move needs to be like that to the point where you're only signing, you know, free agents to a one year deal. But you've got to think beyond. You, you, we have to have this mindset, I think, as as um, a baseball ha- is maybe he's leading the charge in Anthopolis in some respects of getting out of this mindset of paying these aging veterans, um, you know, who are in their thirties, you know, these five year, seventy, eighty, ninety million dollar deals. It's just not good for the team overall. And we saw what happened with that with Upton and Ugla. So and and even Derek Lowe to a degree, right? If we go back even further, so. I'm fine with this. I'm fine with the approach he's doing. He's not going to make a knee-jerk reaction move just because all of, so many Braves fans are out there bitching on Twitter about it. Let the man do his job, and we'll judge. You know, we'll judge the offseason when it's time to judge it. But it's not time to yet. We're just monitoring things. And everything you're hearing right now, whether it's from Mark Bowman, Dave O'Brien, um, or anyone else, Kevin McAlpin, Domino, it doesn't matter. It's all hearsay until something actually goes through. Um, you know, and it's sort of like everyone's taking these rumors. We're linked to Sonny Gray. We're linked to this. We're linked to that. Ender and Ciarte might be moved. Fulte might be moved. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like freaking out about it. And it's like, you need to just pump the brakes and, and, and let's see what actually happens. Nothing is real until it is. Plus, I mean, you got to think that we were a 90 win team and a young team at that. Mm -hmm. So they could improve exponentially if nothing was done. And you've already improved the lineup that right. much. Right, with Donaldson. You know. And, I mean, I'm. do we need that ace? Yes. Yeah. But. You don't want to force it. No. And, and, like, you can always make moves in the middle of the season or whatever. I mean, it's it's still early. early. Right. Or at, and everyone's acting like the offseason's over after, after the winter meetings, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, you'll have the rest of December, January, February. March. March. There's plenty of time to make moves. April. Not everything has to happen over the winter meetings or before it. So, um, I think we're on the same page here, Graham. Yeah, definitely. You know, let me ask you about Ender. Linked to a lot of trade rumors right now. What do you think about 
the potential of moving them if we were to. I don't understand it. And this is purely hypothetical. Right. I don't I don't understand the Ender trade rumors so much because he's I mean I understand why other teams would want him. Yeah. He's controllable, great defensively, mm-hmm. above average bad, I would say. Um Graham got quiet with that one. No, I mean, no. Yeah. I mean he had an off year last year offensively. And we're already missing like we're already short an outfielder right now. Like Adam Duvall's our right right fielder at this point. Right. Um so trading him just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless you're getting back a starter at least or maybe yep. a different outfielder. I don't even know. I, the, I, the only reason I would trade under is if it's part of a move for an ace. Like a like a Corey Kluber. If we're talking about Corey Kluber and they want Ender, I'm gonna entertain those conversations. But it's gonna cost a lot more than Ender. I know it is. It's not gonna be a straight up one you know, one man for one man trade, but as part of a package and if they want to include Ender in that package, I will listen. But I agree with you in the sense that he is an elite defender. No one can take that away from him. Had an off year with a bat. You know, on base isn't great. We've talked about that to death. Um, but he's so valuable to the team, I think, especially defensively, that I don't want to move him unless he's in a package for an ace. I really don't. So that's my stance on that. Uh, Dansby has also been linked to a lot of, a lot of trade rumors. What do, you, what do you think about that? I mean... Yeah, I've said I wouldn't be shocked if Dansby were traded, and then either you can plug in Camargo or move Ozzy to short, and maybe it's easier to find a second baseman. Um, right, or Camargo could take over. Right, but I, I I do like Camargo in that super utility role. I as do well. too. I do too, and that you know, I think that's going to prove its value. Right, that limits your bench, and I like to see, and yeah, we forget how young Dansby is. I mean, this is only his third. Coming into this year, this is only going to be his third full year in the major leagues. Maybe there is a strides that he can make offensively, where he can be a more complete player. He's already he made the strides defensively last year. Who's to say he can't make the offensive strides this year? Not to say he's going to be, you know, some elite offensive player, but hopefully better than you know hitting two forty with a sub three hundred on base percentage. Um, so I'd I'd like to hold on to Dansby unless there's some offer that really blows you away. Yeah, Volte though that was surprising here, even though I I consider that bullshit. Yeah, the Fulte one really makes no sense. No. Like, this is, I mean, we want someone to stack with Fulte. Right. And, um, yeah, once again, still a really young player, had his best season last year. Yeah, he blew up in the postseason, but, you know, that was his first postseason experience. He, he was overall outstanding, and as the season went on, he got better in terms of going deeper into games. I think it would be foolish to trade him for anybody, unless the Indians said Kluber for Fulte and another prospect they want from us or something like that. I don't see that happening. No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to... I mean, there's so many rumors out there. That it's tough to address them all. Yeah. The sun, I mean, the Sonny Gray one... I mean, that's, that would just be awful. Yeah, I mean, because he... I think he has some value, because it seems like the whole New York playing on the big stage yeah. is a true thing for yeah. people where they can't he, handle it. He pitches much better away from New York. But he's kind of like a. It's not like he has nasty stuff. He did. He's kind of like a Julio Tehran type. Yeah, he did when he was with Oakland, but that's sort of dissipated for some reason. Same thing with Dallas Keuchel. We were linked to him, and if you really look in depth at the the the, the splits, comparing him to Julio, especially over the last couple of years, if, if you remove his Cy Young season, or uh, I think it was in 2015. <clears throat> I mean, very similar numbers. Like, everybody's acting like Keiko's still this great pitcher, and it's like, yeah, he's 
solid enough, but his splits are very, very, very similar to Julio. So it's like, we already got Julio. If you want to go get a Julio pitcher, there's one right there for you. I mean, it's it's kind of silly. I can't remember who was talking about it, but someone was talking about the value of Julio and the fact that he is that innings eater on a a affordable contract. He stays healthy. I'll I'll say that too. He stays healthy. And he had a better year last year than he did this year. You can't expect him to lead the rotation, but he is dependable. Right. So so if people can just kind of flip their mindset on Julio, not think this is supposed to be our number one starter, and now see him as like a number four, yeah. but a dependable four. I mean, right. there's there's value there. Right, for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what's going on with the Braves. I don't know if you've heard anything else you want to touch on. Uh, I think that pretty much covered it. All right, any, <clears throat> any Hawks news? Okay. Let's go to the Falcons, who were destroyed by the Packers. I didn't watch a lot of this game. Lost 34-20. Looked a hell of a lot better in the box score than it did on game day. Yeah, 34 unanswered points. Yeah, we had our first drive looked pretty good. We oh. got bailed out with the referee on the, one of the Julio catches, but whatever. Uh, that was reviewed and confirmed as a catch. Um, went up 7 nothing, and then couldn't do anything for the rest of the game until third quarter, fourth quarter. And at that point, it was all but decided. Uh, it, it's just in, getting increasingly <coughs> uglier and uglier. Yeah, it's it's really looking bad on Coach Quinn that this team's just not fighting anymore. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing I was noticing too is like Julio had a good game, two touchdowns, I think 130 yards receiving, but there are a lot of missed opportunities on deep balls. And I think the, um, the Packers have a bad secondary, and I'm starting to feel like the, uh, the pressure of Matt's getting the hits we've been talking about is sort of affecting him in a way that's limiting his accuracy, limiting him as a being an effective quarterback right now. I mean, he, he looked after that first drive, he looked awful until the Packers started just playing soft zone coverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course it's going to get to you. Yeah. And you can blame Matt and some of that is on Matt for sure. <clears throat> we know we're all big. Yeah, everybody knows we're big Matt Ryan apologists, but this offensive line, Jesus, it's ugly. Yeah, I mean, I think we discussed this probably every week for the past, ever since we've been shitty this year. Yeah, <clears throat> the last five weeks. But, you know, drafting all these wide receivers and running backs and not addressing the trenches is really killing us now. And you just see how little depth we actually had and how fortunate we were in that 2016 to stay so healthy. Yeah, and even in last year as well. Yeah. I think, too... Um, you know, we're sort of being defined by the continue, uh, you know, miscues, penalties, uh, especially. Uh, 13 penalties for 101 yards. That was before more great Atlanta United. The champagne's pretty good, right? It's not bad. I usually don't like champagne. Maybe it's a true sign that I am an alcoholic. But, uh, you know, 13 penalties for 101 yards. You had a really bad pick six by Matt when he attempted to throw to Hooper. You had more... You know, Robert Alford was once again horrible. They they targeted him a bunch, uh, and he got pulled eventually. He yeah, was benched. I, I think this has got to be the last year for Alford. It's only a one point like five million dollar <coughs> uh, dead cap hit next year. You got to do it. I don't care. He shouldn't play the rest of the season. I don't want to see him on special teams. Tell him to pack his bags and get the hell on. He has just regressed into not even an NFL caliber player. Uh, it's it's really sad to watch. Devontae Adams owned him all day. 
and I don't know, or at least why he played, and I don't even know why we're having him being assigned to Devontae Adams, even on zone. I would say true fine, even though I, you suck too. You're a little better than Alfred. Jesus Christ. Early in the game, um, it was just like the epitome of this season. It was <clears throat> Alfred like celebrating after what looked like a third down stop. Right. And then, of course, he committed pass interference. Yeah. And then he's, like, shocked that it was pass interference. Right. And then they go on to score a touchdown. Right. And it, did you hear uh, Coach Quinn on 92-9 The Game this morning? No. I missed the interview. <sighs> he's starting to wear on me, Graham. Like, yeah, well, what were his excuses? They, they asked a reasonable question along the lines of, it's like, this team this year just seems like like the penalties and the turnovers, it's like always at the worst possible times. And, yep. you, and you start to think to yourself, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like Murphy's Law, you think eventually it's going to like go our way. Right. That's what he said. That's that's what. Of the interview. Yeah, yeah, that's right. what the interviewer was saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Coach Quinn doesn't really address that. Fully, and he's like, yeah, you know, we always preach winning the turnover battle. And He's so obsessed with turnovers. I don't get, like, the turnover differential. Yeah, it's important, but it's like that's the only thing he can ever talk about. Week in, week out, you hear about the turnover battle. What about the goddamn double-digit penalties your team commits every week on both sides of the ball? What about the fact that Steve Sarkeesian on third and short tries to run the ball at the middle when our offensive line clearly has shown that they cannot move the ball in short yard situations when they run up the middle. In fairness, we yelled at Sark last week for that Muhammad Sanu third and one play. It's still a bad play, though. It's like, it's like <laughs> well, throw the do? ball 20 yards down the field. I don't know. Do a, you know. You're about to say do a screen? <laughs> I am almost about to say do a screen after I've, I've belittled the screens for so long. But it's like, try something new. It just feels like every week we're doing the same thing over and over again on both sides of the ball, and it's not working. One thing I did like to see, uh, that I liked uh, seeing this week was... Um, we actually blitzed Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Got yeah. four sacks. Yeah. Trufant had a sack. Campbell had a sack. Should have been a face mask, but it was a sack. Vic had one. Yeah, Vic actually had a sack. Um, but it was like we couldn't do anything after, in the second half. And um, Deion, it, jo- Deion Jones has played great since he's got that, but he's had a couple, in both games, a couple yeah. huge penalties he had a, yeah, that bad both penalty. led to touchdowns. Yeah, he had a bad penalty. He also had a dropped uh, interception. Yeah. But I mean, I. Well, that's I, like that's like the other thing of this year is just dropped interceptions. Yeah, like, we could we could have won three more games if we hadn't dropped some picks. And at this point, all we would have had to do is win two more games, and we're in playoff contention. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's just really the NFC is weak. It seems like after the Dallas game, after the Dallas game, the team quit. They gave up. That's how it's. Even if they won't say it out loud, that's how it has seemed to yeah. me watching this uh, this team. And. Yeah, it's it's sort of like I, I am tired of uh, of of Dan Quinn's excuses and um, no one everyone just seems to be going out there going through the motions. I mean Matt was getting really pissed off on the sideline, but it's sort of like I don't know. I don't want to play Matt Ryan for the rest of the season. Let Matt Schaub go out there and sacrifice <clears throat> his body. That's not gonna happen. Matt Ryan has taken before and like just let rest up. Julio rest up. Everybody rest up. Like I, there's no reason to play anybody at this point, especially against the Cardinals. You should treat this like a preseason game. Play, treat it like a third preseason game. Play everybody for a half and then set, set your starters because this is the worst possible thing that can happen right now. And given our, our history of bad injuries this year, Matt Ryan, you know, tears a rotator cuff. Julio Jones's foot falls off. You know, it's like I could easily see one of those things happening or Gray Jarrett gets hurt. It's sort of like one of those things is going to happen next week because we just keep playing our starters. They're, they're not going to... I'm not saying tank. I'm just, I don't know what I'm saying. No, it's just it, like it, I'm worried about... 
Actually, do you people... think Matt Ryan, how do you think Matt Ryan would be? Oh, if... he'd be livid. You can't really do that realistically. I just wish it would happen because I'm just really concerned about someone getting hurt in meaningless football. And that's what this is, meaningless Technically, football. we're not eliminated, Graham. There's no reason to believe that anything positive can happen with this season other than people staying healthy. No, I agree. But that's just yeah, not, mathematically the, not the reality of the situation. I know, I know. It's, it's wishful thinking on my part. Um... I will also like to say I think the Brotherhood is dead. There's no... I don't believe in the Brotherhood anymore. Yeah, I think it's dead. And I forgot to mention this last week, and I should have. When I was at the Ravens game, the Ravens-Falcons game, Matt was brutally sacked, or maybe he was hit and knocked down. I don't know, he got the shit knocked out of him. And, uh, you know, he had no time to, to pass the ball because the offensive line blows. And Pretty standard, and, really. And Matt, you know, eats turf, and no one is close to him to pick him up and give him a hand and say, I got your back, number two. Oh. No one walked over to him. That's Absolutely shitty. no one. Not even Alex Mack. And that's when, that's in my head, I said, the brotherhood is dead. Yeah. Absolutely. D-A-D-E-D. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even spell it. It pisses me off so much. D-E-A-D, dead. Mm. Yeah. I think that's I, really disappointing to hear. Yeah, I think Quinn's message is completely soured. I think this team is going off the rails, and heads need to roll. One thing I really like to see from the Vikings this week is that you know they lost a big game um, against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. That might have you know they're still I think technically alive. They sh- they sure as shit are if, if if we are, but you know for all intents and purposes, potentially could have ended their season. What do they do the next day? They fire their offensive coordinator because they've been inept. Mm. And it's like, why can't... And, and Dan Quinn's not afraid to do that. Remember during the Super Bowl run, he took over defensive play calling for Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman? Or uh, Richard Smith, sorry. The old defensive that coordinator. that Yeah. Richard yeah. Smith? Yeah. You don't even remember. That guy just sounds like a placeholder. Yeah, it pretty much was. So Dan Quinn's not afraid to make moves in the middle of the season, but it's like, how can no one get the axe... Due to the season, and I'm even talking about just big coordinators like your your Manuels or uh, or your Sarks. And I think Manuel has a little bit more breathing room because he did produce a top ten defense last year, and we've had a lot more injuries on the defensive side of the football. But how can no one take a you know be fired at this point for this bullshit? Yeah, I think Sarks definitely gone like 100. Um, percent Offensive line coach, defensive line coach. Because, I mean, early, early in the year, like, we were like, oh, at least, I mean, our offense is going to keep us, maybe give us a chance. Yeah. And it's been atrocious. Right, and I think one of the big things that's happened is, is that we, we the whole year we've been very one-dimensional. And I think people are really making us, uh, you know, they're, they're getting a lot more pressure on Matt than they were. They're sending more blitzes, and it's and it's killing us. And uh, I, th- I think other, the NFL has adjusted to how good our passing game is, and we have not we have not uh, countered that move at all. Right. Yeah, we have all the weapons, but something's just not clicking. Yeah. Yeah. It's always something with this team, Graham. Can't put, quite put my finger on it. It's just a, well, it's just like like I said, I don't think Dan Quinn's on the hot seat or anything. No, and Arthur Blank has gone on record multiple times saying that. But Same it is thing it is crazy that Dan Quinn and. Dimitrov, the two that have put this together, they're the ones doing all the evaluating. 
Right. Like, Why can't someone talk about evaluating them? all the players? Like everyone's getting evaluated right now, all the players, all the coaches, except for the two at the top that have made all the decisions. Yeah. Why that can't put, that well, led this lack of depth? Right. Why can't someone come in there and say, "Hey, Dan Quinn, you suck managing time. We're going to hire a time manager to make these decisions for you because you don't or, know what you're doing." Or maybe stop getting all these space tacklers like your Vic Beasley's it's and, so your, ironic. and your Duke Riley's. It's so ironic the space tacklers when we can't fucking tackle in space. Right. That's, that's, the, that's my favorite part about that. Like the, This defense just has not come together. Like, yeah, even with the injuries. It's like, even with the injuries, you can only point to the injury, you know, you can only make so many uh, excuses for injuries for so long because, like, it just it's just not performing well as a whole at all. No one. And it's 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 really is baffling how bad it is. And I think losing Poe and losing Claiborne uh, has really hurt this defense more so than we could have ever conceived of. And I think not having a, a leader out there. I mean, Deion Jones is more of a lead by example guy, whereas Ricardo Allen's is sort of your vocal leader. Not only is he a vocal leader, he's also a, a very good safety, regardless of what anyone wants to say. I think losing him has really hurt. So. Yeah, you you probably bring Marquand Manuel back. You you know Dan Quinn comes back, but the rest of the of the coaching staff you have to wonder about. Um, but even with with Manuel, Manuel and uh, and Quinn, you gotta say it's like I'm really disturbed by how they have not adjusted the defensive scheme at all until this past week. until this past week when nothing fucking matters. It's like why aren't we sending more blitzes or doing something different when we were still trying to when we were fighting our asses off trying to stay in playoff contention, right? It really boggles the mind, and it makes me still come back to what I believe is that Dan Quinn is not an effective head coach, even though he has gotten good results. And when his his back is against the wall, he doesn't perform well. Someone on 680 The Fan was comparing uh, the first. What is this year four of Quinn or three? This is year 15, four. 16. This is four. Yeah. So the first four years of Smitty. Mm-hmm. And the first four years of Dan Quinn. Yep. Smitty has like ten more regular season wins. Yeah, but Quinn, Dan Quinn. Quinn. Smitty only had one playoff win. Right. Fuck the regular season. I mean, when it comes down to it, I think the job Quinn did last year when we were just underperforming a lot was was pretty good in terms of keeping the team together. I think he is a good chemistry guy. I just think something's broken with this team. The injuries have just mounted to the point where you know people started losing faith, and we lost so many heartbreakers that it's just taken its toll. On, get, so, on, so you think that they can still win with Quinn at the helm? I think they can still win. I just don't know if he's the guy. Like when it comes down to it, when you got him against you know a Bill Belichick or an Andy Reid or someone who actually like really knows football. Not to say he doesn't know football, but like Andy Reid's probably a bad comparison. I don't know. Let's just say Bill Belichick because he lost the biggest game of his life against Belichick. When you got someone who thoroughly understands and dominates the game plan on both sides of the football versus Dan Quinn, who just seems like he just sort of lets things happen and just sort of stands there cluelessly on the sideline or seemingly so, who doesn't have you know a great feel for anything because he keeps saying our mentality is not translating to game day. You have to point to the head coach at that point. You have to. Because if that's happening, which it is, according to him, then the message is lost and you are screwed. So it sounds like you don't believe we can win with him going forward. I don't think we can ever win a Super Bowl with Dan Quinn, potentially. That's how I feel right now. Yeah, based off this one season. Not just based on this one season. I mean, I think you go back to the Super Bowl itself. Why didn't he step up and say, let's run the fucking ball? Well, let's not get into that. 
I'm just saying, right? I don't think it the, shows a lack I don't think of the, command of the entire team. I don't think the team has recovered from that, including him. Maybe not, but it shows a lack of command of the team. Whereas a guy like Belichick is the auteur. Sure, he collaborates, but he's the auteur. He has final decision making. You know, well, I mean, he makes like, the final call on everything. Well, I mean, Dan Quinn doesn't know dick about offense. I mean, Pete Carroll made the same mistake. Yeah. Throwing it on the one with yeah, he's Marshawn a, Lynch. Yeah, that was foolish. Sometimes these coaches overthink things. Should, it's easy for us to say sitting here happens. on a couch. Yeah. But it's and still... And like, you, you just yelled at, yelled at him for running it from third and one. Like I yell at him... Like, what are you going to do? If they had run it and gotten stuffed... Which is what happens all the time. So it's like, why can't we try something else? Because clearly our offensive well, line then you sucks in short like yardage. I said, you yelled at him for the Muhammad Sanu. Like you're going to yell him at him for whatever they do. Look, when 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 we're hike, when we're snapping the ball, when we're snapping the ball into guys going in motion's legs, like it happened with Sanu this week, where he was going in motion and we snapped the ball and it hit him in the leg and we turned the ball over in the red zone. Something is fucking wrong. No, I don't. I don't disagree with you there, but I think the second guessing of every single move is something that needs to stop. Maybe so. And you're acting, not gonna. You're not gonna hit him like every he's move. Ignorant and doesn't know football. I don't think he knows the offensive side of the ball at all. I. He's a defensive-minded coach, who has no control over the offense, and I don't like that schematically as a from a head coaching standpoint. I want a coach who understands both sides of the ball well enough to be a head coach. Why is that so hard? Why is it? Why are so many guys? Either you're an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach. Why can't more guys be like a Belichick who's balanced? I know Belichick's rare because he's, you know, an absolute football beast, but it's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. If Dan Quinn was a real head coach, he would have overruled Shanahan and said, run the ball. I think that is his legacy. He's done good work, but at the end of the day, he cannot, he does not have total control of the team, and that is his downfall. Sounds like we need to fire him based off that, Graham. I mean, when it comes down to it, he's got to be able to make the call of what to do in pressure situations and do it effectively. And I just do not think he's developed that skill. Could I be wrong? Sure. Am yeah. I wrong? Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't hundred percent disagree with you. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'm. I'll, I would love to just eat my words and 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 never speak again. I really would. But I I, I go. I just see things, man, repeatedly. And it's, and it's really just the sloppy play on both sides of the ball, and especially when it comes to penalties. And it's like, where does that come from? That comes from the top to me, that that is never addressed. It's the turnover battle every goddamn week, but he never says anything about penalties. Nothing is ever done to address that. And I don't care if you're injured or not, that's showing a lack of discipline on both sides of the football when you have double-digit penalties every week. At least the United won. At least the United won. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Thank Arthur Blank for them. Did you see poor Arthur Blank um, after hoisting that trophy Saturday night? Then they cut to him in Green Bay. Oh, he made the trip? Yeah. I would have just been partying. I, I know. Would, I would have I, I gone to Magic City with the, uh, with the team. They cut to him and Dimitrov, and Blank just like staring at Dimitrov like he wanted to kill him. I don't blame him. And then the next day, he's back in a parade. Interesting life that man lives. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I think that wraps up this depressing, happy depressing. I don't know. It's a very uh, it was it was quali- bi- until you mentioned the Super Bowl, Graham. Yeah, it's a bipolar episode. I think we need a new rule. We can't. Let's just not discuss that Super Bowl anymore. Never discuss it. Never discuss it until there's no need. I was trying to use it as an exhibit to explain like why I don't think he's well. That's low hanging fruit. It's popcorn or football. Run the ball in that situation. I don't. I don't get it. 
You've got to have the balls. That's, that's, that's what low-hanging... That's easy. Anyone can use yeah, that but, as an example. But I was like... No, no, no. We're not... All right. Yeah, okay. Let's You're done. Stop. We'll be talking for the rest of the night about this shit. You're done. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. <laughs> Hope you're still listening. Uh, until next time, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, same brotherhood, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. <laughs> Hospitality. <laughs>